1: That hymn that we just sang, and that question leads us to our message for today. Dear friends in Christ, I don't know how many of you are following NCAA, but there's basketball and the pros, and hockey, and all these other things. And which sport do you think is the most biblical one? There are people who think that baseball is, because they say, well, they think that the Bible began with the words in the beginning. Yeah, and then there's the football people. Uh, they they claim, uh, like even in uh, the third chapter of Genesis, that that was the first down, uh, which was the downfall into sin for Adam and Eve, right? Yeah. Well, I went to Purdue University. I graduated from there, and I also played on the tennis team for that school. And I think that tennis is the truly biblical sport because in later in Genesis. That talks about a man named Joseph. His brothers had sold him into slavery. And in the verse 46 of chapter 41, this is a little paraphrase, but basically Joseph served in Pharaoh's court. Yeah. So tennis is the sport which serve is essential to have. And so that makes it a biblical virtue, I think. All right, so I'm stretching things a little bit here. But serving a ball in tennis... It's very different from serving others in Christian love. And we know that one thing is true. Serving is crucial, both in tennis and in our life of service to others. Now, in tennis, serving is so important because it really gets the play into motion. And I had the advantage of really goofing up the minds of a lot of my opponents. Because when you practice before a match, you're just volleying back and forth, so I'm doing that. And then you do your serves right before you start. And so I take the racket, put it in my left hand, and now I'm serving left-handed. And they're saying, weren't you just hitting a right hand? I said, yeah, don't worry about it. And uh, so uh, uh, probably one of the few people that would change racket hands during the course of a match. Well, you won't win in tennis without serving well. And similarly, Service in the life of a Christian, that's important because that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to serve. You can't grow or mature in your Christian discipleship without serving the Lord well. And to serve, it means for the benefit of others. It means to care for them, to be able to provide for their needs. And service is really the act of caring for someone else and doing what is best for them, right? You always want to be positive in what you're doing. Now, you have servers who are in restaurants, right? And so they serve food and drink to the patrons. You have public servants, and their responsibility is for the good of the population, of the cities, states, wherever they are. And then you've got a third type of service, those who serve in the military. And some even give their lives for the protection of a nation against its enemies. Well, to serve means to give of yourself and to use your abilities in order to improve the lives of others. And the Bible describes it in this way. In humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And in our gospel reading from John 13 that we had, Jesus calls his disciples and he calls us to serve. And he demonstrates that serving in a very concrete way, a visible way. And it was on that Thursday night, which we call Monday, Thursday, Jesus is there celebrating the Passover with his disciples. And we know that it's also going to be what's known as the Last Supper. And before our reading, in verses 4 and 5, it says, Jesus rose from supper, he laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And that was really a surprising act because to wash someone's feet, that was the responsibility of the lowliest servant. And when a host would be having a special meal, the guests would come in from the outside. They've got those dusty roads that they've been walking on, take their sandals off, and the lowly servant boy would be the one to wash their feet. But here at this meal, it's the Lord Himself, the one who's the host of the meal, who bends down to wash His disciples' feet. It's no wonder why Peter is shocked and he says some words about that when Jesus gets to him in his place. You know, why would the Master do such a lowly thing? Well, Why would someone who was going to suffer a death that would be worse than any death ever recorded do that? Take the time out. And instead of being our all-powerful Savior, he's now our all-humble servant. And the first verse of this chapter 13 really provides an answer for us. Because John says, having loved his own, speaking about Jesus, those who were in the world... Jesus loved them to the end. Jesus, by example, became a servant. Why? Because he wanted to show his disciples the full extent of that love. And that full extent of love is shown to them in an act of serving them. Serving them by washing their feet. And we know it was ultimately displayed to the whole world, basically, then that next day when Jesus died for the sins of all people. So when Jesus washes feet, he's showing us, too, that on our own life of service, the first step is doing something like that, to be the ones who are imitating Jesus, to be the ones who are showing his love to others as we see whatever need they have. May not be washing someone's feet, but I'm sure you know of situations His answer to us is to serve. And the full extent of Jesus' love is when he serves others. How far would Jesus go to show us the full extent of that love? I wonder if the disciples thought that on that evening, while we've seen really the ultimate Jesus here doing that, little did they realize that on that next day, Jesus would show his witness of full love by dying on that cross of Calvary. After completing the task of washing the feet of the disciples, Jesus drives the lesson really home to them and to us. Our text from John 13, we saw it. said, When Jesus washed their feet, put on his outer garment, resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord. And you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example, that you should also do as I have just done to you. Truly I say to you, a servant's not greater than his master, nor is the messenger greater than the one who sent him. And if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So our Lord Jesus Christ, he calls us to service. And washing others' feet, it's just a, a little example, really, of a much broader concept of being a servant to others. There are several other times, as Jesus was in his teaching ministry, that he directed his disciples in such a way in their life. Here he says, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. In the next chapter of Mark, He says, But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And then in the chapter before our reading from John, Jesus says, If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. So Jesus calls us today to serve as well. The problem is that because of who we are, we don't serve naturally. Our sinful nature really leads us away from helping others. And because of our sinfulness, we would rather have a selfish attitude. And we want others to serve us, right? In fact, in the very character of sin itself, what's the basis? It's selfishness. It's self-serving. When a mother asks her son to set the table for dinner, well, his sinful nature moves him to complain about it instead. Or perhaps it's an office worker who sees her colleague struggling with an assignment, and she fails to assist her because of the extra work that it would create for her. And perhaps there's an elderly neighbor, maybe even someone you know, someone who needs assistance to get to a doctor's office. And our sinful nature keeps us from really getting involved. But at the same time, we expect others to serve us, right? husband expects his wife to do all the household chores. Now, that is not a direct quote from me, okay? In fact, I think percentage-wise, I may even be doing more, but we won't uh, get into percentages. But my wife and I, we both do that equally. We take care of what's needed. A wife, she may demand that her husband listens to every command and reacts. Maybe that's why husbands have selective hearing <laughs> and say, "Oh, did you say that?" I didn't know. Well, maybe it's a coworker who takes the easy task upon himself. And he makes sure that the other person has the more difficult ones that are demanding. All of these really reflect the reality that because of our own impulses, because of that nature that is ours as we are born that way, we would rather be served than to serve. And yet that's precisely why our Lord Jesus Christ came to this earth. His mission was to rescue those self-serving sinners and transform them into selfless servants. Jesus claimed this about himself in Mark 10. He says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to give his life as a ransom for many. The very night in which Jesus had washed the feet of his disciples, he was arrested in that garden. That was according to God's plan. And we know that the very next day, Jesus' feet were not being washed with water. Instead, they were being covered with blood as he was nailed to the cross. And that was according to God's plan. It was Christ's mission to be that suffering servant. That's how Isaiah really describes him seven centuries before Jesus was even born. Jesus made the ultimate service by giving his own life. Alive to ransom those self serving sinners like you and me from our sin. And as the Apostle Paul puts it in Philippians 2, he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. And he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. By that sacrificial death that Jesus did for us, he rescued us from our sin, he paid the penalty for your sin and mine. And as we come to him repenting of that sin, our selfishness, our self-serving behavior, it's all forgiven. We know that because of his mercy, you and I are pardoned of our neglect of helping others. God is the one who had commanded to have us do that, to help others, and yet Jesus came because we didn't always follow that way. And now in view of God's mercy, you and I are renewed in our faith and also in service to one another. And by the Holy Spirit's working in our hearts, we know that we are made, we're actually remade into willing servants who live to bless others. There's the story of an American man who went on a trip and he found that he was able to go to a place where he observed Mother Teresa. And for those who have good memories, back in the 20th century when she lived, and we, like, we live too, most of us, uh, there was um, Mother Teresa in Calcutta, India, and she would go and she would serve the poorest of the poor in those city streets. She would care for the people who were sick and abandoned by others. And the man watched as she ended up embracing and hugging a leper, a man with that skin disease, and she started cleaning his wounds. And that observer, that American, he was really disgusted by it. And he declared, I wouldn't do that for a million dollars. And Mother Teresa heard these words that he spoke, and she said, I wouldn't do it for a million dollars either. But I would gladly do it for Christ." Mother Teresa served this leper and others who were in in desperate needs to view of the mercy of God. She served them for Christ. Why? Because Christ had served her by giving his own life on the cross. It's for this same reason that we serve others. We serve them because of Christ. We serve them for Christ. He is the one who came and He came not to be served, but to serve. He is the one who is the ransom for us. He is the one who knelt down to wash those disciples' feet. He is the one who was lifted up on the cross to pay for sins. He is the one who told us, I've given you an example that you should also do just as I have done to you. Truly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. And if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. And so, friends, knowing these things, we do them. In view of God's mercy to us in Jesus, we serve in mercy the needs of others, those around us. In view of God's mercy, we follow the example of Christ, who is that suffering servant. What Jesus did with the humble service to his disciples, what he did with the towel, is just a small example of what he did for all of us. And it's a way to demonstrate, really, that we too should be willing to serve, no matter what the task is, or how difficult it may be for us. Whether it help someone else? Jesus' words told us how to serve. His actions showed us an example of God's love, of his motives, and even a way for us to honor God in our service to others. We've learned a lot from our master. It's definitely time to put our learning into action. So I pray that as you go from here, go out You know, maybe enjoy lunch, whatever. But go out and serve. Find someone who you can serve in a special way this week. And maybe you can tell them why Jesus came. Why he did it for all of us. And echoing Mother Teresa's words, we don't do it for a million dollars. But we do it gladly for Christ. Let's pray about that. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you give us opportunities. Opportunities to share your word of love to so many. And also our actions that reflect that love. We can't repay you, Lord, in any special way that would equate with what you did for us. But you call us to follow your words. To follow your actions. And so we just pray that we would do that, Lord. And as others are touched by us as being your hands and feet, may they see you, Jesus, and know that they are the most important in your life for what you did for them and in your death and resurrection. You love us all the same, Lord. And we just give you all that praise. In Jesus' name, amen.